listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Friday afternoon. Now let's turn to our first topic and guests of today. In light of the ongoing protests in Hong Kong, we're talking to citizen photojournalists John Crowcroft and Aidan Marzo about their documentation of the clashes, the rally, and some of the chaotic scenes that we are seeing emerging from the protests in the city. Uh, welcome to the program, guys, and thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Uh, we are on Facebook Live as well. So you'll be able to see and hear Aiden and John there as well. Um, maybe if I can start off with you first, uh, John, um, why have you decided to sort of put yourself uh, in, the, in the front line? Oh, it's more like I've got a camera. I know how to use it. And I figured, well, these are events on the street that won't be happening again or they don't happen every day. And I figured, well, I've got a camera. I've got spare time right now. I might as well just go out and document and see what happens. Just yeah. take photos, a lot of them. Yeah. So that's really it. And what about for you, Aiden? Yeah, I think for me, I'm trying to pursue photojournalism, obviously, but I think internally I have a personal obligation as a Hong Konger, um, as someone who's born here and raised here, to really capture what's going on here and share the story with the rest of the world. How do you feel sort of each time you're holding your camera and, and you are able to show the world, essentially, Hong Kong through your lens? Do you feel a, a, a sense of responsibility, a, a burden? I, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, for me, an obligation or responsibility, not necessarily, but just more like there's a situation and a sequence of events that's unfolding in front of me. I could either sit there and just record it in my brain or just have, I have my camera in front of me, so I might as well. Just more civilian documentation, documentarian, capturing what's going on, uh, free of any political bias as best as I can, and just record the sequence of events with as much fidelity as I could. Yeah, because this isn't your first sort of protest. I mean, you, you, you cover several protests or rally or yeah. Occupy um, it previously um, yeah. also. I mean, for the same reasons, like there are events happening, I might as well take photos and document. So I'm not, I'm not doing it as a full-time hob, uh, it's full-time job, sorry, but, <laughs> but more like a hobby and it's more, well, I've got time, I might as well. So I was a there. A dangerous hobby, kind yeah. of. <laughs> I've seen some of the well, pictures you guys have taken, really well, on the front line. Well, dangerous relative. I mean, tear gas actually isn't that bad. I mean, if you can survive Beijing's air, you can survive tear gas. That's what I'll say. The difference is one of, them, one of them will actually kill you. Yes, um, I know you. You were also. I mean, I, I, I saw some of your pictures from very early on, from from the early protests, from the anti extradition bill uh, to the storming of Lechko. Um, describe that process. I mean, how did you sort of get in there? Because you're not a member of the press, so you weren't wearing any. Yeah. You weren't wearing any reflective yellow yeah. gear, or yeah. and. You know, you could have been mistaken as yeah, a protester. Because I, basically. Yeah, because I always wear black. He was like, "Well, you're wearing black." Well, I wore black, black now. But before the protests, I wore I would wear black after the protest because hello, it's fashion. You know, I wear black. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing, yeah. We're all wearing yeah. some sort of dark. Yeah, some sort of Yeah, because black goes with everything, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I yeah, because I was there on June 12th, and it was just more like, well, I've got time this afternoon. Something's happening down Admiralty. I'll just go. You know, I didn't really and. Then, at, at some point, um, that was when they started first started firing the first rounds of tear gas. I actually climbed up one of the TV vans with one, I think, Now TV, 
And um, I captured the shots of them finding the tear gas, and it was like a few, like 10 or 20 feet in front of me. And I just went, oh, that's tear gas. Oh, crap. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I had no mask, no helmet, nothing. And I was like, okay, everybody else is starting to run. Uh, what are you uh, on this van? <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. like, this was not a good idea. Why did I do this? Okay, okay, I gotta get off this van somehow. And yeah, that, that was a bit You're of... You're not still wearing black, are you? Are you, <laughs> you got a vest now, right? No, I'm still, I'm, I'm still wearing the same uniform. Okay, because, wow. yeah, I'm just me. You wow. st- so you still don't have a vest? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I don't. So uh, people have said, you know, it only costs you 250 bucks just to go like the call up the agency and the Hong Kong Journalism Association just to try and get one, right? I said, yeah, I probably should <laughs> at this point. Yeah. What about you, Aiden? I mean, how are you ensuring your own safety? Yeah, so, I mean, I have all the physical protection gear. I mean, aside from my camera, everything I carry when I go to the protests is protective gear. So a helmet, a high-vis jacket, um, a full-face gas mask, water, and like a towel as well as a long sleeve shirt because the tear gas can often burn your arms. When you say a helmet, what color helmet? Because Bright green, actually. Okay, so not the same <laughs> Originally, yellow. I had the orange ones um, with press kind of just uh, taped to the front and back. Um, but I don't think that's, that's good enough at this point. It's not high quality. So if you're going to be between the protesters and the police, the police are firing tear gas, protesters throwing bricks, you really want to have the best safety equipment possible. Yeah, I mean, can you sort of share some memorable moments that you've, I mean, th- these th- these protests have been going on for over mm-hmm. 10 weeks now. C- can mm-hmm. you share any memorable moments or close calls? Because it's it's dangerous, especially um, when, when you see violence on all sides mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, you are in the middle of it all, documenting it all. It's dangerous to be out there. And any close calls or any dangerous positions you've been put? Well, oh, yeah. you were on that van when the tear gas went <laughs> off. Um, yeah. Any oh, other ones? Oh, there are some. So... Yeah, the well, Legco for one. Uh, cause I, I guess I guess I have this uncanny ability to know where to be and also when to get out. When, when's the right time? So, I I didn't actually suspect they would make their way in to Legco that night. So I was, but before that You're happened, talking about the the, the 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 night of the storming of Legco yeah, after was, the July first protest. Yeah, that, that was July first, and. Uh, yeah, so at one point there, yeah, they, they, I think there was some white smoke. So whether that was tear gas or a fire extinguisher, everybody started rushing to that. For some reason, I just thought, well, I could, but now I'm just going to sit here and see what happens. I was stand there more like it, and then just like about two or three or five minutes later, they actually pried open the metal shutters, and then it just started, and they just started pouring in. And about well, first, there was a bit of back and forth because they figured they were wondering whether, whether there's going to be tear gas coming out. And I actually had it all recorded uh, on my phone and my camera as well. And then they just start going in. I just thought, well, uh, okay, I can either you know stay outside and or I can just go. Okay, I'm going in with them. How are thing. these orders decided? I mean, you're seeing this unfolding, uh, you know, uh, before your yeah. eyes. Is there one leader, or is it sort of a group no, decision, no, it's, or it suddenly happens? There's no, I, I, there's no leader that I can see. It's more like a gra- Like I, I think somebody, somebody else said it. Put it, put it well. It's more like a gravity well. A gravity swell, it's a hive mind, there's some inertia there, it's a collective decision-making gravity well inertia sort of thing. Because I, I don't see anybody standing up, barking orders or doing that. No, it's just, it's more like everybody's there for the same reason. They're all pissed off and they all have the same thing in mind. Yeah. Some reason, yeah. yeah, and they just poured in, and that was a that was a big holy you know hell moment. And it's like, wow, this is actually happening. And so, any duty obligation I have is more like to record 
the gravity of the events and sequence and yeah, let, let, let them decide for themselves as best as I can with recording and with the video footage and this is something that's happening it probably will never happen again take as much take as many photos as you can mm-hmm. video just document 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 yeah now Aiden you, you came back a little bit later but you really managed to capture a lot of uh, uh, violent clashes I've been following uh, you on your Instagram uh, at the airport and and also the, the drawing of the gun by yeah. the police as well yeah. tell us about those um, so yeah that was one of the scary moments um, that I witnessed personally during the protest that was when the uh, the police charged into the airport one policeman was actually by himself chasing protesters and he found himself isolated no backup was with him so the protesters and he had I think he had tackled a woman I didn't exactly see clearly but these protesters turn around and, and attack him because um, they wanted to defend this woman and this this policeman is by himself they strip him of his um, tear gas canister his shield and his baton um, and it's kind of all out brawl and he's, and he's backed into a corner so he pulls out his gun um, kind of save his own life and he Where did, were you at this point? I was behind the um, the window, so I was actually behind the policeman. Because from the photo, yeah. you look very close. Yeah, to yeah, the I was over his shoulder, and he pulled out his gun. Everyone retreated. Um, thank God he didn't pull the trigger at all, because I think that would have been a, a huge moment um, and a huge turning point in the in the protests. Um, and everyone backed off, and he kind of collapsed to the ground. Um, and there's actually a video someone has it online of 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 the entire incident, yeah. and you can hear me just say, "Oh my God." Oh my God! Because I was just so shocked and couldn't believe what what I'd seen. Yeah. Do you think the protesters were were just as shocked to see him pull out his gun? I think so. I think that was when they realized, like, we oh, have to get out of here. Yeah. Like, like as much as we are willing to fight for this thing, right now we are not willing to die over, over the occupying the airport. Yeah, yeah. John. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, if I, if I was in the police officer's shoes, I'd do the exact same thing. To be honest, because I mean, that at that point they probably realized they crossed the line, and that was reflected with him pulling the gun. Yeah, but uh, other close calls was uh, I, th- I forgot what date it was. It was um, that August. It was yeah, like it was this month. It was um, like they were that night when the triads at North Point. I forgot what date it was now. Oh, but, were, you, uh, were you there for that? I wasn't there specifically because okay. I actually went to Admiralty first, and by that point, um, it was actually all all they all moved out. Mm-hmm. So I missed that. But I think that was only like a brief fracas. And from what I've been told by by Guilos and other people on the ground. It was more or less a tri-territorial dispute, from what I've what I've heard. So it's just, yeah, I think it's more like because that that street, the triads actually owned. You know, the, I actually saw some guys live on top of the hill. It's a dead end street. It's all it's all triad businesses, triad carpet parking lots, and you know all, all that. And it's just more triads being stupid and being territorial, and then um, attacking the protest, and then realizing, oh crap, we're actually heavily outnumbered. Uh, we should we probably have to retreat. Yeah, I was actually there for that as well. I in was, North Point. I was in between the protesters and the triads, and they were actually on Kings Road, one of the main roads in North Point. Um, and speaking of photo, uh, journalism safety, um, there were about three or four other journalists standing next to me, and suddenly the the triads charged with their bamboo rods and. People are throwing street signs, cones, everything, and a lot of the journalists are just so focused on getting their shot and so dedicated to the job, they're getting extremely close to the fight. I mean, within like one to two meters. And at one point, I pull one of the journalists back because I think she she was just so focused on getting the perfect shot, she didn't realize how close she was to getting hit. And so I grabbed her by the backpack and pulled her back um, about a meter or two. And afterwards, you know, someone threw a bamboo rod or hit hit the fence where she was standing. So I think a lot of journalists are just very um, dedicated to 
finding that perfect shot to tell that tell that story that they put themselves in, in harm's way. I think you both have as well, in a way, because you both are extremely close to the action. Uh, one thing I, you know, journalists uh, working for media organizations have uh, their editors telling them where these protests are. How do you guys find out? Because these <laughs> protesters are, are, you know, here one minute yeah. and then there the next hour. Yeah. So how how do you sort of know uh, where they'll be? By just texting friends here and there, because I've got a friend back in Shamshir Pohuk. No, yeah, Intelligence them, yeah. on the street. <laughs> yeah, just, just my own personal contacts, basically, just just friends. And uh, that's why I was a bit late to North Point uh, when one of the fracas broke because I went to Admiralty first, then my friends, oh, they moved to North Point now. Okay, so I'll double back, right? No, it's just um, whatever I see on the news, and I have to sort of forecast and guess. It's like, well, if there, if I'm hearing this now, this could unfold here later here, and I might text some friends to confirm. And it's like, well, do I really want to go out, you know, and do this tonight? Or because again, if this is not my full time job, this is more like a hobby, and if I feel like it, sort of thing. And if I'm there, then I'll commit. And if I don't, I don't. Yeah. Um any memorable moments for you, Aiden? Um, you know. um, I would say I may get most of my information through just online sources via Twitter. Twitter is a big information sharing yes. source for a lot of the Westerners and a lot of English users. And then I'm on a few Telegram groups, and just, it takes a lot of time to research exactly what's going on. So every week I make a schedule of what exactly is going to happen. And it always changes, of course, because it's a very event-driven movement. Um, and in terms of the, the um, North Point attacks, I think that was when... Uh, that all started in Admiralty and they moved to Causeway Bay. And I try to do my best and predict and put my put my um put myself in the protesters' shoes and figure out if I was them where would I go. And at that point I figured if they're leaving Admiralty, they're heading in the opposite direction. If anything, they're gonna go past Causeway Bay, um yeah. and go somewhere, you know, further along the island. So yeah. you stationed yourself there and got them at the yeah. right time at the yeah, right place, really. Enough, yeah. So it, this is a difficult sort of question, but without getting into the rights and wrongs or, or the politics of it all, um, do, are you seeing more violence on on all sides? You know, protesters, yes, yeah. policemen, just on, on 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 all fronts. Of course, yeah, because that's that's the, the inevitable consequence of, of escalation. Because you know, because you you have to always you have to up the ante here. You know, because if what you're doing now isn't working, you have to escalate, and the other side escalates in response, and it's a matter of attrition and who breaks first. So I don't see the situation calming down anytime soon. Because now it's a it's a calculus of youthful anger versus um, versus the government being obstinate and not giving in. So it's a question of now attrition and who gives in first, basically. Do you get any sort of violence directed towards you when you're out there documenting these? Are the protesters or the police? Um, Unkind or, or, or violent so, towards so, you? Physically, no, not yet. So I, because of course I stand out. Not yet. So, <laughs> not yet. Anyway, oh. well, and uh, well, well, depends. Because because danger is always relative, anyway. And so far, the protesters have been very polite to me personally. Uh, the only time I had any, any aggression directed to me was later that night in uh, North Point when um, I was walking back with another Guaylo journalist friend. Um, we were actually in the middle of a bunch of protesters, and because this was, I think, around 11 or 12, yeah, around that time, and the police actually showed up with like five, three, uh, four or five police with buses and vans, and me and my friend were both dressed in black as well, and we were in the middle of a bunch of protesters. I just re realized that, and as the police pulled out, and then, then this was the moment that oh crap, things are, things things about to happen. So the North Point fracas that was about eight o'clock or eight thirty or something like that. And so the police showed up. Three, 
and a half hours later. So they were, they've, because they, I think that day they were quite stretched. They were all over the place and they weren't just late for Yun Long as well. They're, the yeah, they're quite slow in the response in that regard because I think the last time they ever did any, uh, dealt with, with, with riots was 15 years ago at the, at the WTO protests. So they, they have, they certainly haven't had experience dealing with riots in a long, long time. So, yeah, but, and at that point, um, they also, the protesters started running. That's when we realized, Oh crap! Things are about to go down now because they, they just pulled out five vans to start pouring out, and everybody started taking off and running. And they thought, "Wait a minute! Why am I running with them?" Yeah. It just makes me look guilty because I have. Um, so actually, that's ironically where me having no mask and no helmet and having a camera, and despite wearing black, I'm also a guayla with you know lots of tattoos. So that equals annoying photojournalist, not a protester. <laughs> um, what about for you, Aiden? Um, I think at this point in the protests, everyone expects violence. So when you when you get to a protest site, um, protesters are already you know pulling down gates and setting up barricades, and they're they're ready to to fight against the police, yeah. um, who they expect to fire tear gas and other projectiles, and the police show up there, expecting to do that to do that as well because they expect you know bricks being thrown at them. So it's kind of yeah. in a cycle where we expect violence, we will we will prepare for violence and we will execute violence yeah. like that. And in terms of violence towards journalists. Um, the protesters actually be very, very nice to me and and they always make sure I'm okay. And even at the airport, they help me get on top of one of the structures within the airport to get a good shot of what was happening. Um, and the police sometimes are a bit aggressive to journalists, but at the same time, they have a very stressful job. Yeah. And I don't think as of right now, there's a strong malicious intent to harm journalists. Um, there's the whole debate about you know the flashing lights and obstructing their journalist's ability to film and capture. Yeah. But in terms of outright physical violence, I think they give out harsh warnings and they want people to get out of the way so they can do what they need to do. But overall, they're not intending to harm journalists. Yes, yeah, I'd agree with that. And yeah, there may be one or two bad police officers there with you know, who are angry and pissed off. But as far as any systematic, you know, intent of obstructing journalists or doing, I, I don't, I wouldn't think so. No, mm -hmm. I mean they'll be aggressive because that night when the whenever I start running. And I never like, wait, why am I running? And I stopped, right? So they were quite aggressive and barking at me. But I think, well, you know, I will, I, I'm not going to begrudge them for that. They're just doing their job in some ways. And I am ex essentially getting in the way. So just, you know, don't argue with them and just do your job and they'll do theirs. And just comply in that sense, yeah. Yeah, we are on Facebook Live as well. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to hear and see Aidan and also John, uh, two citizen photojournalists uh, who have been documenting uh, the protests we're seeing here in the city. Uh, Dia on the Facebook page says, uh, stay safe, uh, all of you. Um, so what do your friends and family think of, about all of this? You know, the, there's on one hand that the curiosity, you know, I follow your photos and I'm like, wow, they really captured some amazing shots. And then there's a part of me that thinks, oh, so they're so close to the action. I mean, what are your, what do your friends and family think, Aiden? Um, I think at first the the people that I'm not as close to this are very concerned and want to make sure that I'm staying safe. But once I explain to them, you know, there's something I'm passionate about, um, both in terms of the issue at hand and photojournalism as a whole, um, and I assure them, you know, I'm taking every precaution I can to stay safe. They're usually pretty understanding, actually. Yeah. John? Yeah. For me, I've had some family reach out, you know, with my own past and all that rest. And, uh, and I've, I've just had people to say, well, nice photos and just keep safe. And, yeah, and that's just really it. 
Remind our listeners uh, once again how they can follow you and also some of the photos that you've been taking. Have you got a personal blog uh, on Facebook, on on social media? Uh, How can they find out more about your work? Yeah, for me, I'm on Instagram at Aiden Marzal Official. I post um, regular updates there. I go live sometimes. And um, for the photos that I do take, I often write a mini story about them as well. Yeah, and uh, we've seen some of your work being published uh, in The Guardian and also The Wall Street Journal. Uh, Also, congratulations. And John, what about for you? Oh, for me, it's just either Facebook or Instagram or however I feel like it because, again, I'm just doing this as more of a hobby and if I feel like it, not a full-time job. So it's just mostly, I guess, Facebook. Yeah. Well, thank you so much indeed uh, for your sharing as well. Um, It's never easy for for, for journalists and citizen journalists really to put yourself on the front line in some very, very dangerous situations. So thank you very much uh, indeed for for your hard work. Uh, We've got a couple of more comments uh, on Facebook as well, which I'm trying to get to, but uh, it won't let me. Um, uh, Jenny says, can you please post those links to their accounts here, please? Yep, I will do. And also, uh, Kinsey on the Facebook page says, how can we encourage journalists to cover the rest of what's happening in Hong Kong besides those few minutes that have been captured, hundreds of hours of images and videos that are flooding news channels and social media around the world? According to the media, Hong Kong society is crumbling below our eyes. That thought comes from Kinsey. Well, um, it's it's not crumbling because... Yeah, you know. I, I, I disagree with that. I think it's still okay. Yeah. It's still okay. Yeah. I would just urge people to, you know, look at different news sources and, yeah. you know, do your own research. Don't take everything you see for granted. You yeah. know, don't only read the New York Times. Don't only read Global Times. God forbid you. And don't read that. just follow our yeah. Yeah. You know, so the other news diverse, sources. Have yes. some diversity yeah. within your sources and... Make make up your own mind about the, yeah. about the issue. Yeah, and also, you, you know, if in doubt, you can also follow uh, <laughs> citizen follow uh, uh, photojournalists uh, who, as John, you mentioned earlier, you know, it's really an unfiltered form yeah. uh, of yeah. of documentation, which you both have done very well indeed. Thank you so much uh, for your time this afternoon, and also for documenting uh, this historical moment uh, for Hong Kong as well. Thank yeah. you so much, Thank Aiden you for and John. Us, yeah, thanks for having us.